What is going on, guys? Thank you for being here with us on this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is brought to you by Sports Ethos. My name is Joe Arico, and I am your host. For those of you who have not found me there already, I hope you'll go and hit the follow button on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit me up there. You get links to my threads, links to this show, and other random thoughts posted throughout the day. Some of them go out on a weekly basis, my threads. Some of them are every day. And you get access to my different thoughts and stuff like that. So go ahead, hit the follow button there, and also leave a five-star review on the podcast if you are new and have not done so yet. We'd really appreciate that as it helps us to be seen more. We're going to be talking about some of the bigger performances from yesterday. As you guys typically know how the show works, we look at yesterday's um, top performers, and then we will look ahead to today's matchups, specifically looking at the pitching matchups, and then we will take a look at the waiver wire. That is typically how we do our show here. Every now and then it's a little bit different if there's a guest on or what have you. But that is the general format we follow here. So let's talk about some of the bigger performances, starting with the batters from yesterday. And I think it makes sense to start with, I think he's probably the hottest player in baseball. That would be Aaron Judge. He went yard twice yesterday against the Orioles. He also had a single and a double. He scored twice on the home runs, and he knocked in three. He is currently the number one ranked player in fantasy, at least in category leagues. He is the number one ranked player to this date on the season. He has 30 runs scored, 14 homers, 30 RBIs. He's even stolen a couple of bases for you, which you don't really expect that Aaron Judge. He only had six steals all year last year. He's already got a couple this year, which is great. And he's got the average at 315. So as of right now, Aaron Judge is fantastic. And I was asked on Twitter yesterday, where would I be drafting Aaron Judge if draft season started today uh, based on what the production has been like to this point and it's hard to say he wouldn't be a first round pick Uh, I think he's pretty clearly going to be somewhere in the first round there if we did redo drafts today Uh, he was going in the 30s typically around uh, in round three somewhere and I mean when you're doing those kind of exercises looking at would you draft him higher today than you would have a couple of weeks ago or a month ago you have to look at who he would jump over. So he was going a lot of the time after Marcus Semien. So, yeah, he'd go ahead of someone like him, uh, Whit Merrifield, Salvador Perez. He'd go in front of Xander Bogarts. Uh, a lot of these names of guys in front of him. Now, there are some guys, obviously, uh, who have maybe not been as great to this point of the year as we would have expected, maybe like a Bo Bichette. In my mind, I'm still going to be leaning towards Bichette rest of season over, um, over Aaron Judge. But it was an interesting question. Uh, I'm interested to know what you guys think. Where would you guys draft Aaron Judge if the season started, if draft season started today, where would you be drafting him with the knowledge you have on how he has performed this season? I think the answer is somewhere at the end of round one, middle of the end of round one. But uh, I'll leave it up to you guys because it is it is definitely tough to say. Um, we do see hot streaks throughout the season. Sometimes they last, sometimes they don't. Judge, we know, is a phenomenal player, and I, I would expect this to, to continue throughout the season personally. Uh, 50 home runs, it's possible. Uh, the Jays fan in me would not really appreciate a 50 home run Aaron Judge season, but fantasy manager in me who rosters him in a few different leagues would be uh, over the moon with a 50 home run season. And I think 14 home runs through 34 games, he's just about on that pace. He's pretty close, anyway, to a 50 home run pace. So, that is something we're going to be watching throughout the year here. Do I expect him to get to 50? I don't really expect anybody to get to 50 after seeing last year uh, how dominant Vladdy was, power-wise power especially, and he only got to 48. So 
50 is, is another level, and I know it's only a couple home runs difference, but it is definitely um, – maybe there's a bit of a mental block there with 50. And even in other sports, too, 50 goals in hockey, um, maybe at 50 touchdowns in the NFL, which is very rare. I think that there's a certain mental block that might come up in certain players once those massive numbers start to come up. So maybe 50 might be a little bit of a challenge. But to this point in the season, Aaron Judge has been fantastic. Kyle Tucker is another one who has really turned his season around. At the beginning of the year, you know, I got a question, even a couple of questions about Kyle Tucker asking, is he going to be a drop? Uh, People were legitimately that worried about him. And I I guess I kind of understand it. I mean, if you know the track record, you know uh, the player profile. I wasn't too worried about him. And over the last month, he has been the 12th ranked player. So he's clearly showed us that he has bounced back. It was an early season slump that was really ugly. He was batting under 100 or around 100 for a while anyway. But over this last month, he has five home runs. He's stolen seven bases and knocked in 21. And over the course of the season, he's got seven home runs, 25 driven in, uh, and eight steals. He's doing this. uh, He's ranked 27th right now on the season in terms of Yahoo categories. And he is uh, batting 252. Last year, he was a 294 hitter. So I can definitely see him pushing up farther into that first round value area as the season goes on uh somewhere around the first or second round value anyway he's underperforming to this point if you look at the entire collection of the season yes he's been great recently but that 252 batting average will definitely go up he's going to be someone who will be a first couple of rounds worth of talent uh, by the end of the season that sounded weird as i said it but you guys know what i mean i think he'll be a top 25 player uh rest of season no problem there Let's talk about Mike Trout. He is just ridiculous. Uh, You guys who listen to the show know I love Mike Trout. He went three for four yesterday. He had a double. He had a home run, and he also drew a walk, scored a couple of times. 26.5 fantasy points on Yahoo, and his numbers to this point of the season, he's batting 325 with 10 homers and 21 driven in. He unfortunately has yet to steal a base, which is kind of the Mike Trout that we know in the last couple of years. He doesn't really steal anymore. I think he had 49 steals as a rookie, and then progressively we've gone down and down and down every year since. It doesn't. The crazy thing is it doesn't really matter. He still could end up as the number one ranked fantasy player. It is possible. Uh, I don't think he'll get maybe number one, but he'll be in that first round somewhere for sure, regardless of the steals. He's number six ranked right now on the season. And I think his war, uh, according to baseball reference, his war for this point of the season is 2.5. Like, what the hell? Two and a half through 30, 32 games or whatever? That is that is obscene. Like, we've seen some 10-plus war seasons from Mike Trout in the past. He's capable of putting up 10. And for those of you who were saying what the hell is war, because there was a while, trust me, there where I wasn't sure about what it was. War is wins above replacement, and no one really is too sure other than, like, mathematicians in terms of what the formula is. Now, if you really look into it, you can see what the formula is, but it doesn't really help the average baseball fan uh, too much anyway, looking at it and understanding how it works. All you really need to know is it essentially looks at all aspects of a player's game and gives them evaluation. Uh, Typically, a good player will give you three or four wins throughout the season, maybe five for a really good player. If you look back at old MVP votes, you typically see The guy who wins his war is around 9 or 8, in that kind of range anyway. Mike Trout is one of those guys who can put up ridiculous high war. And I know it's a bit of, uh, I mean, 
I'm sure there's the odd fantasy league with how customizable everything is now that does take war into account. I'm sure there are some of them. Most of them, it's not going to be a big concern. It just speaks to the overall value of him as a baseball player. It's actually 2.7 to this point in the season, his wins above replacement, which is just outrageously good. So uh, I know there was some concern heading into the season about drafting him. We're not really too sure what he's going to give us. Is he going to be healthy? Some people are saying he's injury prone and I, I didn't really believe it because he's never really been injury prone. He's always playing at least about 130 games, 140 games. Then we had the lockout shortened year, which you can't hold that against him. No one played a lot of games that year. And then obviously he was injured last year. I think that he's, he has a good chance of winning American League MVP again. It's happened three times in the past. Probably should have been more than three times. There was a bit of voter fatigue there. I could see him winning the MVP with the, how he has started off this season. Outstanding. He is truly outstanding. I just thought I'd uh, go on a bit of a rant there about him because I, I really love Mike Trout. He's my probably my favorite player. Him or Trey Turner. Maybe Trey Turner. Trey Turner's a more overall complete fantasy player because of the steals, but there's something about Mike Trout that's really just exceptional. We had a couple of other, and I, I overall as a whole, I think we're starting to see the return of maybe a lighter baseball, or I'm not sure exactly what the alteration is to the baseball, um, for good or for bad. I'm not sure what happened before the season or heading in maybe in spring training or now that the season has started. It's hard for me to really understand exactly what went on with the baseballs, why they feel the need to always be messing around with the baseballs. I, I don't know that we'll ever really know the answer to that question, but it appears that we are seeing, uh, it appears we are seeing, we are seeing more home runs hit that if you look at box scores every night, you look at different scores of games, you're seeing a lot more double-digit games in terms of runs. We had the Giants put up 10 last night. We had Texas put up 10. We had Houston put up 13. We're seeing a lot more high-scoring games, and we're seeing a lot more home runs. Anthony Rendon hit a home run last night. Jonathan VR, um, who else do we have here? J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers both did. Corey Seager and Cole Calhoun. We had we're getting and you keep going down the list. Michael Brantley, uh, Jordan Alvarez. A lot of players were going yard last night, and I'm thinking we're starting to see. Maybe they've already changed the balls. Maybe there's already been a change back to whatever was going on last year, or maybe now we're just having batters who are a little more comfortable and a little more settled in this season. Uh, the lack of a spring training may have had some impact on the amount of swings guys got before the season, and then maybe they weren't fully prepared. They needed 100 or so at-bats to get their feet wet this season. And now that we've had 100 or so at-bats for most players, maybe that can be counted as a factor to why we're seeing more offense. Hard to really know exactly. I doubt we'll ever get, uh, we'll ever get much clarity on it from the league office. I don't expect to ever get a letter saying, yes, we deadened the balls. I'm sorry for the first couple months of but of lackluster offense, now we'll should now it should be better. I don't I don't think we're ever going to get any kind of messaging from the league on what happened uh, this early part of the season with the lack of home runs. Certainly hasn't hurt some guys like Aaron Judge, who has hit 14, or Jordan Alvarez, who has also been one of the better power hitters to this point. He's hit 12 to this point. Some guys weren't really affected by it, and those are typically the the guys who you could throw. You know, you can throw a big piece of lead out there. It doesn't really matter. Uh, they're going to hit the ball yard. Jordan Alvarez is a massively powerful guy. Aaron Judge hit 50 as a rookie. We know these guys are powerful, so maybe it wouldn't have had such an impact on them as opposed to 
guys who aren't quite as powerful off the top of my head, like Bo Bichette, who maybe he has some power, but with the dead and ball, it's just kind of taken away the power that he's that he showed last year in specific. So it's hard to say what exactly happened and if we'll ever know. I doubt we ever will, but it's nice that we're coming out of it, it seems now, with a lot more offense. Touch on Royce Lewis for a second. He was sent down to the minors uh, either late last night or this morning. Kind of disappointing. Uh, he's played 11 games. He's batting over 300. He's hit a couple of home runs. I think with Carlos Correa coming back, and I did say this on Twitter a couple weeks ago, you got to be careful with adding him because of the uncertainty with Correa. So uh, when Correa first got hurt, everybody was running and stashing Lewis, and I think it made sense at the time. But once we found out that the injury to Correa was not that severe, then you start to become a little bit worried, especially if you used a lot of your fab money on him, and a lot of people did, especially if you're in NFBC leagues, which I don't play in NFBC leagues. Next year, I'll be I'll be joining up at least one or two, but uh, th- that's the main format where you spend fab. Yeah, you can. There are fab formats in other cases, but that's where you typically see um, fab used. And yes, I play in a Yahoo Fab League as well. NFBC just tends to be the most popular in terms of industry people. And a lot of people spent a lot of money on Royce Lewis. Several hundred of their typically $1,000 budget for the year went to Royce Lewis. And I'm sure we'll see him again in the majors at some point. But I did advise caution because of this uncertainty. Correa, once we found out he wasn't going to go to the IL, and then he did go to the IL, it kind of we didn't really know what to expect there. Uh, as a short-term ad, it was nice if you just added him and now you have to drop him. Uh, he did provide you some value these last couple of weeks, and I do expect to see him again in the majors this year, whether it be at second base or as a shortstop. Kind of, it won't be a platoon with the, with Correa with the amount of money he makes. Uh, that tends to sadly be the factor a lot of the time. And I mean, Correa shouldn't be a guy platooning regardless, but I don't see that he'll have a lot of value at this point in this uh, going forward in the season unless they are able to find a, a secondary position that they feel comfortable putting him in. I know they'd rather have him at short, but if they're able to maybe put him at second or have him DH quite a bit, then that would be an instance where he would be rosterable. Right now, you kind of have to send him back to waivers. Uh, Certainly, if you're in shallower leagues and you added him, then there's not really any purpose. If you do have an NA slot on your team, then there's something to be said about maybe putting him in the NA slot. I think there might be some better guys out there who could occupy that slot, specifically Max Meyer. I think he would probably be... My preferred choice, if he's available in your league, to go in an NA slot. And, you know, it changes minute to minute here. I don't think he's been called up, but uh, you never really know with the Marlins. I don't think he has been, but let me just make sure I'm not... No, he hasn't been called up yet. There was thought that it would be this week, and I. it's really hard to say exactly. But um, he struggled a little bit in his outing last night. So maybe they'll leave him in the minors for a little bit longer. I'd still say he's probably a better stash than Lewis just because he has more of a clear path to playing time. I am I'm a little disappointed in the Twins in general with this whole thing. Lewis, I mean, once you call him up, and it's a service time thing. It feels like a service time thing mixed with a little bit of we don't want to play him out of position. I don't really think that that should be their main priority. Um, yeah, they're trying to save themselves a year of service time. But at the same time, uh, you got to let the guys play. You got to let them develop. 
And I saw, I'm not sure who said it on Twitter yesterday, but it's kind of sad to see guys getting mileage put on them in the minor leagues, specifically if it's a lot of mileage. I mean, it depends who you're talking about here. But these pitchers, uh, you, you don't get those pitches back once you start in the major leagues. You don't get a reset button. If you've thrown 100 minor league innings, those are still innings. It might be equivalent to like 90 or 80 major league innings because it's maybe not as stressful stuff and the leverage isn't as high, sure. But you're still putting mileage on, on, the, ga- on the car, uh, and even if it's in the minor leagues. So it's kind of sad to see guys, and especially with the way we see pitchers not being able to go deep into games anymore, you'd like to see them, if they're going to pitch, we'd like to see them pitch in the major leagues. So it's a bit disappointing. I'm specifically talking about um, the guys for the Marlins, Cabrera and Meyer, and I understand they want to give them a little bit more time. It would just be nice to see those, those top prospects in the major leagues. Uh, going back to Lewis for one second, I think that he's a pretty good stash candidate, but in a shallower league, I completely understand moving on because you really don't know if or when, really. It could be when he's going to be uh, up in the majors again this year. It could be in a couple months. It could be next week. You, don't, you really don't know. I wouldn't count on it, though. Not, not soon, anyway. At some point, yes, but not soon. Let's move into some of the better pitching performances we saw last night. Jose Barrios had a really great start. I would say it was his best start on the season. He went seven innings. He worked into the eighth, and he gave up six hits, walked two, and struck out four. Just shy of his season high for pitches, he threw 91 after having a previous high of 96, which came against the Red Sox at Fenway. He got the victory here, and he looked very good doing it. He was in control most of the night, and a lot of people are very worried about Jose Barrios. And I've seen a lot of big people uh, in the fantasy industry really concerned about him. I just am not there yet. I mean, we've had five or six years of a track record that shows, yeah, he's – I never personally thought he was an elite pitcher. I think he's a, a, a step below that for sure. I mean, he did get Cy Young votes last year. I think he was a top 10 Cy Young vote getter, which is maybe a little surprising. But if you just look at the track record, he's a guy whose ERA is below four every year. He wins a lot of games. And, yeah, that's a lot of that comes down to your team as well. But he's playing on a team where they're going to win a lot of games. I know it hasn't gone quite according to plan to this point, but he will win games. He's typically a guy who wins between 12 and 14 games, given a full season. No reason to think he can't win 12 or 14 games pitching for the Blue Jays. I I don't see a problem with expecting that. The ERA for his career, it's been boosted up a little bit this year to this point. It's over four. It's 4.07. Every year with Minnesota, Disregarding his rookie year, we're looking at 3.89, 3.84, 3.68, 4 on the button, 3.52 last year split between both teams. So he's typically a guy in the mid threes, uh, below 4 ERA. So I'm not too worried that this is going to be such a big change this year now at age 28 with the great pitching coach of um, the great coaching of Pete Walker on the pitching side. He really is a great pitching coach. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I do I do love Toronto, but throw that away. He's a fantastic pitching coach if you look at his track record, despite some questionable personal choices uh, in the offseason. He knows what he's doing. He's good at his job. And that, and that speaks to why the Blue Jays didn't fire him when he had the DUI. A lot of teams would have been probably done with a, with a coach at that point. The Jays said, no, we, we need him. And it's it's completely fair. He he made a mistake in the off in the summer. He was he was drunk driving in Florida, I think, uh, and he told the cops he had like three or four beers, whatever. He fully just said that to them. It was foolish, totally foolish. But he is good at his job. 
So that's why he's still around here, and I fully expect him, with more time he spends with Barrios, the better Barrios will get. No problem here in holding on to Barrios. I know people are worried, but I don't have a problem holding on here. Logan Gilbert was his counterpart. He went seven innings, struck out nine, gave up three earned runs uh, on six hits. He also did hit a batter and walk two. But Logan Gilbert, uh, you know, he kind of just showed it to me last night. It was just tied his uh, season high in strikeouts with nine. And the fact that he's able to hold his own against one of the better teams in baseball. Yes, I know they have not really performed uh, like that this season, the Blue Jays. They've been kind of hit or miss. They were very good at the beginning, and then they've been struggling a bit. But that lineup is still fantastic, and he was able to go seven strong, only giving up three earned runs. So Logan Gilbert, yes, going forward, rest of the season, he is a top 10 or 15 pitcher in baseball. Uh, no problem there. Adrian Hauser had a comeback start here after a couple of massive stinkers against Cincinnati. He went six strong against the Braves, only giving up four hits, no earned runs, and striking out six. I think depending on situation and depending on opponent going forward, he can be a really nice stream and a guy you play against certain matchups. I'm not sure he's a must-roster kind of guy. I mean, it is nice playing in the division they play in. He'll have a lot of starts against the Cubs and the Reds and the Pirates, who we all know are not going to win a ton of games this year. Yes, there's also the Cardinals in that division, but the, those other three teams are fairly poor, and you're willing to make that trade off the odd start against the Cardinals lineup, and you get the starts against Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Cincinnati. I think that he is a back-end kind of guy in standard leagues, and if you're in deeper leagues, yeah, he's, he's going to be a good option. And we know that Milwaukee can develop pitching very well, so always keep that in the back of your head. The games against Cincinnati were definitely worrying to me, uh, but he seems to not pitch great against the bad opponents it's it's a little bit weird um to this point of the season anyway his better starts have come against st louis and i mean he had a really good one against chicago as well but he's had poor starts against cincinnati a couple times and one against baltimore so kind of hard to predict exactly with adrian hauser um, a bit of a mixed bag he doesn't give you a ton of strikeouts I think he's a guy you stream in in certain situations. I don't think he needs to be on rosters. If you're in deeper leagues, 14-plus team leagues, then I can understand it. But I don't think he's necessary anyway. I think we've covered the majority of what I wanted to cover here uh, in terms of looking back at yesterday. I think I'll do it a little bit differently here uh, going forward. I don't think we need to cover every single pitcher that goes every single day. I think I'm going to pick and choose certain matchups that are interesting to me and certain guys who are interesting to me because – I think it's just a lot of information uh, listening back to some of my other shows. There is a ton of stuff that I've been throwing at you guys, and it's kind of hard, uh, even for me listening back to it. We're talking about 15 games every night, and there are some guys who are pretty clearly not going to be streaming options on those nights, and I don't think it makes sense to spend a lot of time talking about them. So I'm going to be a little bit more picky and choosy here. I've had the debate in my head, and I've had the debate with a couple of uh, sports ethos people. Depth versus breadth. So should I go deeper into certain topics or should I just try and cover a bunch of different topics? And of course, I'm a man of the people. I would like to hear back from you guys and see what you guys would like to hear going forward on my shows. Would you like to hear an analysis, a breakdown of every single pitcher every single day, of every single lineup, as much as I can give it to you because they're not really released in the morning, the lineups, but... Would you prefer to have more in-depth breakdowns or would you prefer to have me cover a wider array of subjects? That is something uh, maybe I'll put a poll out on Twitter today. Depth or breadth? 
would you like more or would you like deeper, deeper content? So that is something I've kind of been struggling with a little bit here in the early going, trying to find our voice, trying to find our place. Because I know there's a lot of podcasts. There's a lot of people in this community. And I'd like to be able to differentiate myself a little bit here. I'd like to not be copying another show. Uh, that's why I try. I listen to some other baseball stuff. But before I record, I try not to listen to stuff that morning. I try not to have my opinions influenced by anybody else or anything. I try to be a little bit different. And I'm just trying to find somewhere in this fantasy baseball world that hasn't really been tapped yet. There's got to be some kind of material that you guys are looking for that you're not seeing out there online. So I'd really appreciate any DMs or tweets at me to say, hey, Joe, I'd really like you to go over this. I'd really like you to touch on that. Can you please discuss player A, player B? Can you compare player A and player B? I'd like to know what you guys would like to see here going forward. So please hit me up. I'll give you the Twitter here uh, in the middle of the show. I don't tend to do that, but at JoeOrico99. It's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit me up there with any DMs or tweet right at me, like I said, and we'll try and cover anything you guys want to have covered. Some stats you want me to go over. Whatever the case may be, I am here to listen to you guys. I'm here for you guys, right? I'm here to help you guys. So I'd really like to be able to know what I should be gearing, uh, who I should be gearing the show towards, and what exactly it is you guys are looking for. So we'll talk about some of the more interesting matchups here today, but I don't think it benefits anybody to talk about a couple of pitchers for a couple of bad teams who are obviously not going to be streaming options, whether it be a Vladimir Gutierrez for Cincinnati or uh, a Brubaker for the Pirates. Uh, he's just a recent example from yesterday. But I think you guys would agree on the whole that it doesn't make too much sense to cover every little bit of de- every bit of detail if it doesn't um, if it doesn't benefit you because I'm talking about two guys who you're not going to stream it doesn't really make sense for you to even really have to hear that so let's talk about some of the more interesting pitching matchups tonight as opposed to just all of them so the first one that I see that is really interesting and it's actually an afternoon game here probably the best pitching matchup you're going to see today so 1:10 p.m. Eastern time is a great time to tune in here. The Braves and the Brewers. We have Max Fried and Corbin Burns. Two guys who are two of the best pitchers in baseball. Absolutely no question about it. Fried, I think he's actually better than what we've seen to this point in his career. I think he can do better than... I mean, he's been great. Don't get me wrong. He's had a very good start to his career. But I think he's actually even a little bit better. I'd like to see what he can do given a full season. He hasn't pitched... I mean, last year, 28 games was pretty, pretty full. I'd like to see it on a consistent basis um, year after year after year of him doing that. He's only had two seasons where he's pitched 28 games or more. And granted, he's only been around since 2017. But you'd like to see, you'd like to see a little bit more in terms of um, availability. Not that he's, it's been his fault. There's been injuries and stuff. But I think he can really be one of the best. I think he'll win a Cy Young one day. I think Max Fried will win a Cy Young one day. And maybe not this year because it's a little bit crowded in the National League. You have a lot of guys like Zach Allen, Pablo Lopez, Carlos Rodon. It's very crowded with guys who are performing very well to this point. I think Freed is one of the better pitchers in baseball, and I expect him to continue to get better. And, I mean, granted, tough tough matchup here against the Brewers, but I would expect a pretty, pretty solid outing from him. Um, again, we don't really know the future here. We, I mean... We don't know the future here. No one knows the future, but we try and project roughly what we think will happen, but it doesn't always go that way. I'll quickly go back to a game from yesterday with the Red Sox and the Astros. I thought that this was going to be a pretty solid outing from Nate Eovaldi. 
I expected a, quite a bit more from him than what he gave us. What he gave us was essentially nothing. He went an inning in two-thirds. He got hit out of the park five times, nine runs, six of them earned, didn't strike out a single batter. So, yes, it was a tough matchup. I thought he would do pretty well yesterday. However, he didn't. He got killed, and it happens. So I think Freed will have a good game today, but at the same time, that Brewers lineup can really go off. So it's, again, very hard to predict sometimes game to game what's going to happen here. I would expect not just Freeman Burns. Most of these guys have a tough lineup that they're facing today. I, I would expect more of a pitcher's duel. And, yes, yeah, so you got burned yesterday. If you're an analyst in this industry, you're going to get burned every day, uh, one way or another. If you are, you know, if you're putting out, if you're into wagering, if you're a betting guy and you follow someone on Twitter because they post their bets every day, every day there's going to be some stinkers. Every day there's going to be some wins. Every day there's going to be some stinkers. And that's something I hope that you guys all keep in mind. We can't always be right here. All of that being said, I expect more of a pitching duel here today between these two guys, two of my favorite pitchers to watch, and I'm going to be really, really interested in watching this game. Low walk, high strikeout kind of pitchers, I'm all there. It's a lot of aces going today. There are, yeah, there's some not so great options as well hitting the mound today, but we have some really nice matchups, and I'll actually go all the way to the last game of the evening to look at this one because it's an interesting one to me for sure. Lucas Giolito and Zach Greinke. Now, Greinke is coming off a rough outing at Colorado at Coors Field, but you pretty much get a pass for that in baseball. It happens at Coors Field. It's the worst pitching park in the bigs, and he got hit around a little bit. I'd like to see him have a bounce-back game here, and I think it's possible. And promising to see that he had four strikeouts his last time out, and I know it's a little pathetic to say that, but he's only got... 14 strikeouts in 38 innings. So if he's starting to find a bit of a strikeout groove, he can give you four or five an outing. That would be so massive because he's very good with the ratios. He's good at keeping guys off base. He doesn't give up too many runs to this point in the year anyway. Uh, if you exclude that start against Colorado last week, he hadn't given up more than three earned runs to any given opponent, usually in the one or two earned run range. So you're, what you're trading in strikeouts, you're typically getting back in whip and ERA. I think this will be a really interesting battle here with Lucas Giolito, who is more of a strikeout pitcher. Two very different types of guys who will be taking the hill here, and I'm going to be very interested in watching this one as well. Giolito, I think, is the better option, obviously, going up against a not a great offense, to put it mildly, and they had Salvador Perez hit the injured list yesterday, so they lose a massive piece in the middle of that lineup there. I think Giolito is one of the preferred options today if we're looking at DFS or looking at season long. Giolito is going to be someone who should have quite a bit of value tonight. And I think Grinky will too, but obviously not quite as confident uh, in him there as I am in Giolito. There's a couple of, and like I said, a lot of aces, a lot of number two guys going today. So there's really a lot of good pitching matchups. Uh, we're not short on content today. Blake Snell and Zach Wheeler is another uh, matchup here, San Diego and Philadelphia. Now, Blake Snell, we have to see what's going to happen here. It's a season debut. And there's not really a lot of room for error if you're a Padres pitcher right now. They have so many options, right? Uh, you don't do well. They can bring in Mackenzie Gore back out of the pen. And he pitched out of the pen yesterday, Mackenzie Gore. Three scoreless innings, striking out four. He did a really good job for them. He's going to be there still. And I said yesterday, it's a little bit a little bit curious to have a guy who has been a starter his whole career. I, don't, I think that was his first professional relief appearance yesterday. Uh, I could be wrong, but I think that he had never appeared out of the pen before. You can really risk uh, screwing a guy up when you do that. I don't think that's going to happen with Gore, but it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Someone who's a starter always, and now they have to change their whole thing. 
starting pitching versus relief pitching. Uh, someone who used to be a pitcher, granted, not at a very high level, but I still played uh, pretty a fairly high level of baseball, and I was a starting pitcher, and there'd be the odd time where I'd have to come out of the pen. And it would completely change your whole routine. It changes how you wake up in the morning if you know you're starting versus if you're not sure you're going to come in that day. There's a lot of variables that happen there when that kind of switch happens. That being said, I think Gore will be fine. And we're not we're here to talk about Blake Snell at the moment. And all of that is to say, really, that Snell doesn't have a lot of room to screw up here. I don't think he'll be coming out of the pen. And this kind of goes for all San Diego pitchers in general as opposed to just him. But... There's not a lot of room for error. If you don't perform, then there's a couple of guys waiting in the wings. Nick Martinez as well, who I believe will be working more out of the pen. He's had a very serviceable start to his season. I'm sure there's a lot of teams in the major leagues who would happily take Nick Martinez in their rotation. San Diego's here with like seven proper starting pitchers. So it's a good problem to have for them. But also, if you're on that pitching staff, you have to be good or else you're not going to get the next start. They're going to shorten the rotation down to five or six, and then you're going to be shit out of luck. And you're either going to be traded or you're going to be waived. I oh, mean, these guys, Blake Snell is not going to be waived, but I think you guys know what I mean. There's not going to be a spot for you if you don't perform. You have to produce. So interesting to see what Snell will do here tonight against a tough Phillies team. I don't know that we can expect a lot out of him. I don't know that we'll give him, uh, I don't know that they will give him a long leash today. I'd expect probably in the four or five inning range for him. I don't think they'll let him exceed maybe 70, 80 pitches. It was a groin problem. It wasn't an arm problem. But I still don't think that we're going to see a long outing from him here. So I'd be perfectly all right if you have him uh, with leaving him on the bench or the IL today and seeing how it goes. Because he's facing a tough offense. I'm not totally certain it's going to be worth your time to drop somebody and take him off the IL for them. Maybe you had someone go on the injured list. Maybe it was like a Sal Perez yesterday, and you can make the switch. Then no problem. Even then, I'd be a little cautious about putting him in the starting lineup because A, I don't think he's going to go too deep and be the Phillies offense can really go off given the right uh, environment and, you know, playing at home, it's a pretty small ballpark. You're never really sure about what's going to happen, uh, but I don't think Blake Snell is going to have a terribly great outing. So for the most part, I think I'm going to be staying away from him today. Uh, certainly a DFS, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch it. Zach Wheeler on the other side has started to look more like Zach Wheeler these last few times out. Granted, he gave up three earned runs last time, but he was facing the Dodgers on the road. The two starts before that were clean games against Texas and Colorado, a combined seven hits between those games and no earned runs. Now, the strikeouts are not quite as high as we would have expected. Now, he's still uh, got seven in each of the last three games. We expect massive strikeout numbers from Zach Wheeler, not, not like one strikeout per inning average. We expect a higher average than that per inning. I think that this is a decent spot to do it in, but at the same time, like I said with the Phillies, the, the Padres have a very good lineup. They are dangerous. Manny Machado, Cronenworth, Hosmer, they are dangerous, dangerous guys. Not Maybe not so much Cronenworth this year, but these guys can produce. It is a bit of a tricky matchup, but he has really started to correct himself these last few outings, and I don't have a problem with, um, with starting him here. I think he'll be fine. And yes... Always the warning when you're playing at a hitter-friendly ballpark, but I think we're going to be all right here with Zach Wheeler. A couple other matchups we'll talk about here. The Nationals and the Marlins, I think, is a really interesting one. Josiah Gray and Pablo Lopez. So Pablo Lopez, to this point, has been one of the better pitchers in all of baseball. There was one tough outing against Arizona. That's it. Every other outing, he's given up one or zero earned runs. He gave up four against the Diamondbacks a couple weeks ago. 
That was it. That was the that was the bad, and everything else has been very good. He's walked eight batters in 43 innings. He's only given up two home runs, and he's striking guys out at a very high rate. That Marlins pitching staff for years to come is going to be outrageous. If Trevor Rogers is able to get back to the form we saw last year, him with Alcantara, with Lopez, with Meyer, with Edward Cabrera, that's an outrageous one through five. That is going to be the best rotation in baseball in three or four years. Assuming, I mean, even if Trevor Rogers doesn't figure it out, even if he just kind of stays, maybe he's a mid-threes kind of ERA guy. Maybe he's even a four ERA guy. That would put him as the worst among the bunch there, I would imagine. I mean, Cabrera and Meyer haven't hit the bigs yet. We don't really know exactly what to expect from them. But I think we can expect pretty good things from the from the hype and from what we've seen in the minors. Yeah, and yeah, Meyer had a bit of a tough start last night. But we don't, we're not going to write him off just yet because of that one start. He is a massively t- highly touted prospect. So I am very excited looking forward at the Marlins pitching projections. I think if you're a Marlins fan, you should be very excited about the next few years um, in the future. Now, over the years, they've traded away quite a few of their massive pieces uh, in the lineup. And part of that was to acquire some of their some of their pitching. But imagine if this team still had Giancarlo Stanton and Yelich and Ozuna, and Real Muto, uh, that lineup would be ridiculous. They're, they're an all-right lineup right now. They're nothing to write home about, is what I would say. There are guys who produce at a decently high level, Jesus Aguilar, Avisel Garcia is a bit hit or miss, and obviously we have Jazz Chisholm, who's been one of the better players to this point, certainly in fantasy, but also in baseball as a whole. If you added those other guys who they have gotten rid of since then, We'd be looking at a, a really seriously crazy, powerful lineup and a, a great team. And I think we're going to have a great team here in a couple of years. And Pablo Lopez is going to be a big reason for that. So tonight, he gets the Nationals at home. It'll be probably my preferred DFS start of the night. I think that Lopez, and I mean, I think you just look at the track record. He has been one of the best pitchers to this point in baseball. And he gets a fairly weak offense here. The last time he faced the Nationals was on the road, April 27th, he went six innings, gave up three hits, and struck out six. He was excellent in that game, and I don't expect anything different here tonight. I expect him to get the win like he did last time out against them, and I think this should be a pretty handy Marlins victory here because of Lopez on the mound. Now, Josiah Gray on the other side, I love Josiah Gray. I think that he is going to be a stud in this league, and you know he was traded for Max Scherzer. Again, there was Kiebert Ruiz also in that trade. But he was traded for Max Scherzer. Uh, that that doesn't happen. You don't. You're not the principal piece of a trade for a guy like Scherzer unless there is some serious talent there, and there certainly is. He is a fireballer. He can really strike guys out, uh, really truly impressively. Even last year, he really struck guys out uh, at, at a very high rate. This year, we've seen the high strikeout rate, but we've also seen quite a high walk rate. Eleven and a half percent of his at bats and in walks. A lot of guys are given free passes, and it's a little bit difficult, I think, to roster him the rest of the season here. Uh, I think that he's going to be one of the better pitchers in baseball for the next, I don't know, it's hard to project exactly, but I think going forward he'll be one of the better guys in the major leagues, and a lot of that will be thanks to his massive strikeout numbers. Now, with the massive walk rate combined with the poor team he plays for, equaling less lower chances for wins, I don't see him as being a massive value this season uh, in, in your redraft leagues. Obviously, he's a hold in Dynasty. That, that should go without saying. But in redraft leagues, 
I don't know that he's going to have a ton of value for you this year. He'll be a fine strikeout guy, and maybe you stream him in certain situations, and maybe even you stream him tonight because the Marlins' offense is not great, and it's a decent chance for you to to uh, to maybe get a, a strikeout boost tonight here. He's about 50% rostered on Yahoo. He's, a, he's about as equally available as he is unavailable. So take a look in your league, and again, like I've preached on the show here before, see how your week is shaping up. Look at your categories, or maybe you're in a points league, and see what you can kind of expect this rest of the week going forward. If you are having a tough strikeout week, then he might be a guy to help you out, especially if your ERA is already shot because you don't really know for sure. He can get hit around. Uh, The whip is more concerning maybe than the ERA because of the amount of walks he gives up. So take a look at your ratios and see if it makes sense to add him in here as a guy who can help you with strikeouts because sometimes it's not enough. Sometimes maybe he'll help you with strikeouts, but if he's going to burn you in a couple other categories, then it's not going to be worth it. Like I've preached here many times, know your players, know your roster, uh, know your categories, know where your week sits, and now we're in the middle of the week. You're starting to see how it's shaping up. If the ERA is sitting at 7.04 like it is in one of my leagues, then you don't really have a ton to lose if you send them out there. If you're looking at a sub-1 ERA and you're hoping that uh, they'll keep it down like that and add uh, add you some strikeouts in there, it's probably a little bit too risky for me in that kind of situation. So, again, know know your team and know your category needs at this point, and that will really help dictate whether or not you're going to need a stream there. Those are the most interesting pitching matchups for me. And we also have some other really interesting guys going. Shohei Otani on the road against the Rangers. Not much that really needs to be said about Shohei. Uh, he's been one of the better players this year. Again, and it's very possible he'll repeat as MVP. We'll see uh, if he's able to keep it up. But to this point, one of the most impressive players I've, I've ever seen in my life, really. And hopefully, hopefully, speaking as a baseball fan, he can take the Angels to the postseason because I think we can all agree that Otani and Trout need to be in the postseason. Enough is enough already. Trout, I think, has it was only the one time he was in the postseason, and I think it was a sweep. And I honestly think he got, like, one hit in that whole series. So... It'd be nice for him to build up a bit of a playoff legacy. It'd be a huge shame if he goes this career, this really awesome career, and doesn't make the playoffs again. I don't think that will happen. I think that he will hopefully be given some support by the front office, and they'll bring in pieces throughout the season to supplement what they already have, which is very good. Hopefully they bring in some more pitching pieces. And I have mentioned it a couple weeks ago. I think Tyler Molly's a pretty good option for them, but... We'll have to see uh, exactly what transpires here moving forward. We also have Max Scherzer on the hill against the Cardinals at home, and we have Garrett Cole on the road against the Orioles. Like I said at the beginning, a lot of aces going today, not a lot of streaming spots. Probably better to save your ads for another day, for tomorrow or for the weekend. I would probably not be jumping on many guys who are available here. Uh, Walker Bueller is also going, another stud. So, Yes, obviously, no ad will be made there. And Kevin Gosman. So I think you guys see what I mean. This is pretty much ace day. And maybe we'll title the show that, ace day or something like that. Because pretty much like a lot of the most impressive guys in the majors are going to be going today. And I'd really advise you guys to turn on your TV. I don't know if you've got MLB uh, subscription uh, at, at bat or whatever it's called. I tend to just stream them on my phone on different websites. I get the local stuff and the out-of-market game from my cable provider. And then the other stuff I tend to just stream on my computer or phone. So 
I would highly advise you guys first to tune into the Braves and the Brewers. Uh, that'll be starting shortly after this video is posted. I think that'll be the, probably the best pitching matchup of the night. And then you have a lot of other great guys. Like I said, Gosman, Bueller, Scherzer, uh, Pablo Lopez, Zach Wheeler, Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, Otani, Lucas Giolito. It's an embarrassment of riches in terms of the pitching matchups for tonight. Before we let you go, I'm going to take a look at the waiver wire a little bit here, and we'll talk about some of the more added players today. We're looking mostly at guys who are streaming options, but we're also going to take a look at some other things. So Gary Sanchez has been added quite a bit, uh, specifically in these last 24 hours or so. We know who Gary is. If you need a catcher, he's a decent play. He's going to hit you 20-ish home runs, and he's going to have a piss-poor batting average. So if you're able to live with that batting average, I think he's an all-right play. I think he's a pretty serviceable catcher rest of the season. Like he is pretty much every year. I mean, last year was a bit tough for him, but I think he'll be a pretty serviceable catcher here going forward. Christian Walker. Uh, if you just look at the surface and the team he plays for, he's not really too appealing to me. But when you dig in, you see he's dropped his strikeout percentage. He's walking more. He's hitting the ball very hard. So I'm all right using an ad on Christian Walker in deeper leagues. In your standard size leagues, it might be a little bit more tricky. but I, And I mean, it depends on who you'd be dropping. But I'd be pretty okay adding Christian Walker in most leagues. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, I'm kind of torn on how I feel about Rasmussen. There's positives and there's negatives. Uh, his strikeout and walk rates have both gone down, but he's also giving up quite a bit of hard contact. Hard contact rate has gone up. So I like him as an option. I don't love him as an option. I think he's due for some regression, and I think it's a, it's a good opportunity to stream him in here today or use him against the Tigers if you have him, but I don't think that he's going to be a rest-of-season kind of guy. I think he'll have value that is kind of finite, and then after that you move on. Cal Quantrill is the next guy, and I hope for a little bit more um, heading into the season. I really like I really like Cal Quantrill. I think that, and again, I've talked about how well the Guardians develop pitching here on the show. We've talked about it many times. Going back to I think our first guest show when we had Ryan Bloomfield on, we were talking about the Guardians and the Giants about how they really develop pitching very well. So Quantrill is one of those guys that has come come along pretty well, but he doesn't strike out a lot of guys. He actually walks. Quite a few guys. So the walk rate's gone from 7.6 to 10.5 this year. Strikeouts are down 19.6, down to 14. It's a tempting stream against Cincinnati today, but I think on the whole, I would pass there. Let's move on to Drew Smiley, another guy who has dropped both his strikeout and walk percentage. So it's a little bit of a question mark there. Uh, he's been about what we've come to expect from him to this point over his career. The stack cast numbers are a Bit of a mixed bag, but I think he's a pretty safe stream here tonight against the Pirates. So I don't mind adding Drew Smiley in here tonight. Uh, Josiah Gray has also been added quite a bit, and we've just touched on him, so we don't need to go over it again. Guys, that's going to pretty much do it for our show today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you haven't already done so, follow me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there for links to my shows, different threads that go out throughout the day, other random thoughts, and sometimes I'll share the other odd Sports Ethos show. And I want to take this chance to shout out the newly created Sports Ethos Fantasy Football channel, uh, the podcast, which is hosted by J.P. Sticko. You guys can go find him on Twitter, at J.P. Sticko, so J-P-S-T-I-C-C-O. He hosts the NFL equivalent of my show, Fantasy NFL Today. He's recently got that kicked off, and he's doing three shows a week at the moment. He's going to be going up to five shows as the NFL season kicks on. So go give JP a shot. He's really a great ho show host. He's really got a lot of energy that he brings when he uh, is behind the camp, behind the microphone, I guess I should say. 
And he's someone I really enjoy listening to, and he's very knowledgeable on football and fantasy football. So go ahead and hit him up on Twitter at JP Sticko, J-P-S-T-I-C-C-O. And go ahead and follow Ethos Fantasy Football. Um, the channel is uh, Ethos Fantasy FF. Yeah. So E-T-H-O-S Fantasy. Sorry, F-B. Fantasy Football. I thought F-F. But it's Ethos Fantasy F-B. So E-T-H-O-S Fantasy F-B. Go ahead and give JP and that channel a follow. They're still in their infancy, so we need a little bit of support from you guys there. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show today. Uh, I know I did. I liked more of this kind of a freer format that I'm going to be trying out now. It won't be so rigidly uh, a recap and then a look forward. I think that was a little bit more uh, robotic of me, a little bit too sports center kind of ask. I-, I like to have a bit more room to just chat and go off on these tangents. So hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll see you back here tomorrow for a Thursday edition. I hope you guys are smashing that subscribe button. Cheers.